Jason Kompot, and I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to One Month to Better Third-Party Management. This month, my monthly series is sponsored by Opus. Opus helps you to free your business from the complexity and uncertainties of managing risks associated with your customers, vendors, and third parties. By combining the most innovative third-party risk management and Know Your Customer Compliance SAAS platforms with unparalleled data solutions, Opus turns information into action so that you can, so your business can thrive. Learn more about Opus at www.opus.com. This month, I'm going to take a deep dive into third-party risk management. I'm going to consider what you need to do to take a look at third parties, the due diligence you need to engage in, how you should evaluate that due diligence, what contract terms and conditions should be a part of your due diligence going forward, and how you should manage that relationship after the contract is signed. I think you'll find this an extraordinarily interesting and important series because, as all compliance practitioners know, third parties are your highest risk under anti-corruption laws such as the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act or the UK Bribery Act. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to One Month to Better Third-Party Management. Day six, evaluation of due diligence and clearing of red flags. An important part of the job duties of any compliance practitioner is clearing red flags which might appear for a proposed third-party relationship during the due diligence process. It is mandatory that not only must all red flags be cleared, but there be evidence of the decision-making process to show if a regulator ever comes knocking. The Justice Department Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs states under Prong 10, under the following real actions and consequences, the following questions. Were red flags identified from the due diligence of the third parties involved in the misconduct, and how were they resolved? There is no set formula or guideline for clearing of red flags, but I'm going to present to you a couple of different ways to think about it in this day six of my one-month series on third parties. Now, this approach came from General Electric, GE, and it was presented at a SCCE conference presented by two GE compliance practitioners, Flora Francis and Andrew Baird. And although it is a very robust program and it may be more than your company's needs, I'm going to lay it out in some detail because I think it's important uh, or it gives you lots of different ways to think through how you would <coughs> evaluate third-party due diligence. So, some of the factors GE considers when evaluating a third party include the following. The business model. <clears throat> Does GE need the third parties to reach, our, reach its customers, or can it build the organization itself? In-house capabilities. Does GE already have the organization in place to handle these capabilities? Overlap. Does GE already have a third party in the region or country that can handle the needs of this particular third proposed third party? Volume of business. How much business will this third party bring to the company? Compliance risk. Where is the third party located? Will they interact with government officials? Do they have the same commitment to compliance as General Electric? Regulatory environment. Is the geographic or jurisdictional regulatory environment simple or strict? What are the chances of regulatory violations? And then finally, reputation. What is the third party's reputation in the market? 
GE takes this information and breaks down the risk into low and high risk. <clears throat> a low risk receives a limited review and analysis, while the high risk receives an escalated review and analysis consisting of reviews from compliance, legal, business leadership, and finance. But more than simply the level of review, GE has developed a risk score drivers, which have been developed over time through the company's internal analyses and process. Nevertheless, they are an important and useful way to think about how third parties. So what are the risk score drivers listed for General Electric? I'm going to go through a, a fairly detailed list here, but I think, uh, it w and of course, they'll be listed in the show notes. So it's something that you may want to consider for your compliance program. Country channel where the third party is located or where it sells into. Experience of the third party with the sales channel. Type of third party involved, agent, reseller, or distributor. Commission rate, is it standard versus non-standard? Will any sub-third party relationships be involved? Will a third party sell to government entities or instrumentalities? Do any of the third party principals, agents, or officers work for a foreign government, state-owned enterprise, or a political party? Was the third party mandated by the customer or the end user? What is the third party's contract duration? Is the third party involved in more than one prospect? Does the third party have any historical compliance issues? What is the percent of sale with products or services? And then finally, what is GE's annual revenue with this third party? GE compliance takes these scoring factors and puts them into an evaluation matrix when determining the amount of risk involved and whether or not the company should move forward with a proposed third party. Now let me go uh, take a different approach. And it was, uh, for, I first heard it from a fellow named Randy Corley, who's the executive vice president of, and global compliance officer at Edelman. And he described a five-step process uh, that he uses for the evaluation of third, third parties. And it's going to encompass encompass more than simply the due diligence evaluation, but it gives you a very focused and concrete way to think about how you can evaluate third parties. So question number one, how much is enough? Here your goal is to have a realistic process <clears throat> so that you can effect, it can be effectively managed and still be of sufficient value for the business unit decision makers who in Edelman have the ultimate responsibility over the company's third parties. Step two, how deep do you dig? Here I think the question you, can, you should consider is how many tiers down you must go in managing your third parties. Clearly you should manage all third party counterparties in the sales chain and those considered high risk in the supply chain. But in the sales chain, I think you need to know directly if your business representative is subcontracting down your business, at least through one tier. On the supply chain side, if a high risk truly is a high risk for bribery and corruption, your internal evaluation system, uh, you should consider digging down further, uh, at least to tier one, perhaps down, even down to tier two. Step or question three, what do you need to know? While your first tier relationship, with your first tier relationship, you may scope your review depending on your internal risk assessment and attendant risk ranking, your data collection down the chain may not need to be as robust. For counterparties further down the chain than Tier 2, a list of actual and beneficial owners coupled with commitments to follow relevant anti-corruption legislation is certainly needed. 
Such commitments can be secured through each tier's contract with its counterparties. And an interesting question phrased, what did we learn? Here, if there is any information from which red flags appear, they must be cleared. If additional information is needed or points clarified, now is the time to do so and not wait until later in the process. But I would rely on Jan Farley's prescription not to stretch your compliance program too thin. Focus your training, communication, and management on your direct counterparties and communicate to them that your company expects them to manage relationships with their direct counterparties, which include the clearing of any red flags. And finally, what next? After you've made your decision, you still need to manage this relationship. This will entail continuing compl compliance communications with your direct counterparties on an ongoing basis. Preferably, your business unit sponsor will do this, but as a compliance professional, you will need to be mindful of checking in from time to time on your third parties. As your compliance program matures, you will also reach the point where you need to consider auditing of your key third parties from the compliance perspective. Finally, never forget, document, document, document. In the area of third parties, consider what risk you face in both the sales and supply chain. If there is a key player several tiers down the line or who creates or builds a key component or delivers a critical service, you may want to put more management around that relationship from the compliance perspective. For anything below a tier two, you may be able to manage your risks through having your direct tier one counterparty take the lead in managing such compliance risks. But make sure that the expectation is communicated to your direct counterparty so that if the government comes knocking to show that not only did you contractually obligate your direct counterparty to do so, but you have provided them with the tools and training to make this effective. Finally, you need to be able to show <clears throat> that you correct counterparty did so. So what are the three key takeaways for today? Well, first of all, there's no set formula for the clearing of red flags or the evaluation of due diligence. It really is what works for you and what works for your company. For GE, it is an extremely robust program. For a company of lesser size or lesser risk, it may be something less. Number two, Know when to say enough has been done. Obviously, you can take this process out literally to the end of time, but at some point you have to stop. And it's based upon <clears throat> not only a variety of risk factors, but your uh, judgment as a compliance professional. And finally, all of this must be documented, including your evaluation process. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me for day six, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day seven of one month to third-party risk management. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of One Month to Better Third-Party Management. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it will help our rankings and help us get the words out on this most unique podcast series in compliance. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to today, and I hope you will listen tomorrow on another episode of One Month to a Better Third-Party Management.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.